My, my whole life, I've only been in one real fight. It's like my record is officially 0, 0, and 1. Because that fight ended up in a bit of a draw. I was about nine years old, and I was at my friend's house, and uh, we started to argue about something, and pretty soon the argument turned into like a physical wrestling match. And we are just going at it, and I had, a, I had an older brother, so I'd had some experience of, you know, some good, like, subduing moves. And so I was thinking, like, you know what? I'm going to totally win. I've got all this experience here. And I've got him in a good little move. He comes and he grabs my hair. I start screaming. His parents run in. They pull us apart. My parents come in. Uh, they drive over to the house, pick me up, take me home. And honestly, that whole experience was exhausting. It was just so tiring. And walking away, I felt utterly deflated because none of us got our way. We, we kind of had this big engagement, all this energy expended, and then we left in this neutral kind of a draw. I think sometimes it feels like our, our faith has that same kind of cadence to it. We try and put in all this energy, we try and wrestle things through, and then as we step away, we think, wait, did I... Did I move forward at all there? Did anything get resolved through all that tension and all that hard work? And we're doing this series right now on resilient faith. How do you build a sense of connection to God that can endure, that can last? Imagine that people who've been in the story of Christian faith for a while, you've got some friends who've, who've moved away from faith or who have kind of uh, opted out of having that label of being, being a Christian. And today we're going to look at the story of, of Jacob, who's a fascinating character around what it means to have a faith that can endure and a faith that can last. Jacob is fascinating because he's, he's literally born wrestling. He, he's a twin, and in the womb, he's wrestling his brother. And when he's born out, he comes out holding his brother's heel. So they call him Jacob, which means heel grabber. Or it's kind of like, you know, a, a euphemism for being like a, a trickster, somebody who's a bit sneaky, who try and grabs the heel. And Jacob lives into that name his whole story. He, he deceives his brother into stealing part of his inheritance, bit of a heel grab, trickster kind of move. He, he lies to his dad to try and get the family blessing, another kind of trickster heel grabber move. And then he tricks his father-in-law to try and take over the family business. Again, another heel grabber, trickster kind of move. His whole life, he's been trying to sneak away around to try and figure out how to get a hold of, of a good life, of a blessed life. And then this happens in this text, Genesis 32. It's one of my favorite texts. That night, Jacob got up and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? 
Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Now, it's a short little text, but I think you could honestly, you could spend years trying to dissect this bit. People have. There have been books and books trying to figure out what is happening with Jacob and this stranger here at the Jabbok River. Now, because we're not reading this text in in Hebrew, we kind of, we miss out on a little bit of a a wordplay that's here. So, Jacob, his name sounds very similar to this river called Jabbok. And there, the word for wrestle in Hebrew is yabok. So it's, it's this real word play to try and get a combination. It's like Jacob yaboked at the Jabbok. So it's kind of like this little alliteration game to try and say, hey, listen up. This guy's whole life has been building and cascading towards this moment. Jacob, what will happen to him? So... I thought for today, just kind of two things for this idea of resilient faith. One, the question of why, why wrestling? Why do we have to have a faith that struggles so much? Why is wrestling so built into the package of relating to God? And then number two, what, what happens in this wrestling process? And the two things we find in the story, that there is both wounding and blessing. So that'd be kind of our map for where we're going to try and go, go this morning. So, to be honest, this story will involve us wrestling itself. It's not an obvious text. It's not an obvious story. You got to kind of get in the grapple position and figure out how to kind of figure out how to wrench some, some meaning from this and figure out what's, what's happening. The writer of this text doesn't really go out and say, hey, Jacob is wrestling with God here. He just gives a bunch of hints and drops little kind of nuances. In retrospect, Jacob says, as I saw the face of God and lived, that I'm going to call this place um, Peniel, the face, the face of God. This, this text, I think, invites us into this process, this wrestling match, just like Jacob, to figure out, all right, who are you? Who is God? And how do we try and hash this out together as we try and grapple through this? Now, here's, I think, the harsh reality. Wrestling with faith isn't a, an abstraction. People in social science says that the third of a group in any given room is in a place of crisis at that very moment. So that means probably a third of us right now in this space are in a place of crisis. Not just having like a, a bad day where things aren't great, but where the wrestling feels it's totally overwhelming. Part of my role as, as a pastor means I get a bit of a front row seat sometimes in people's wrestling processes. And I've been able to have some chats, even this last week, with people who are wrestling with addiction when they try and face that thing that just tries to grab at that seductive, seductive allure again and again to try and resist. People who are wrestling with grief with yet another heavy wave coming to land right on their chest with this crippling weight of, of pain and loss. People wrestling with their relationship that's just not what they wished it could be. Where it's, there's, there's tension, there's distance, there's all kinds of, of trauma. If, if that's not you today, it's somebody next to you. All of us are, 
are wrestling with something. And if it's not today, it's going to come pretty soon. And for, for Jacob, he's literally spent his whole life, his whole life as a wrestler. He's been trying to figure out how to grab the heel, how to be a trickster, how to figure out a way to work advantage. And God doesn't say, Jacob, it's time to stop wrestling. He says, all right, Jacob, let's do this. I want to get involved with you face to face. Let's wrestle together. Now in the story, Jacob is 97 years old. So when you think about, you know, who's in their prime for a bit of a wrestling bout, probably not thinking about a 97-year-old. Um, people that live, you know, a little bit longer in the ancient world, but still, he's 97. It's not a picture of saying, oh man, Jacob was really strong and God just couldn't find a way to outmaneuver him. It's a picture that, could it be that God is so strong that he's willing to become weak to help us change? That he's willing to, to, to kind of descend to our level to help us in a process of, of transformation. So why all this wrestling? Well, I think part of it is that we sometimes have a bad picture of faith, and I blame the Simpsons. When in doubt, blame the Simpsons. I think, I think sometimes we have this kind of caricature of what, what faith could look like, a bit of Ned Flanders, where we think that, wait, faith could be a bit like happy-go-lucky, and things are kind of jolly and good. We got kind of cliche upon cliche. But the thing that's kind of nauseating about Ned Flanders is that he's so disengaged from reality. He lives in a world onto himself where just niceties have become the way that he operates. I think it's, it's easy for us to think that if we buy into faith, have a connection to Jesus, we'll be kind of freed from the cares and turmoils and the struggles of this world. That Kind of like, like Ned. We'll be, be happy and, and jolly and have a good time of it. There's a story that I love um, from, from the Orthodox Church of this young man who's battling with temptation. And so he seeks out uh, an old priest. And he says, Father, tell me, I've, I've struggled so much trying to, to battle the devil. You, as, a, as an old and wise man, tell me, do you still battle the devil? And the old, the old monk looks at the man and says, now I have grown old and I'm tired. And the devil has grown old and tired. And so I leave the devil alone and he leaves me alone. And the, old, and the young man says, oh, you must have such peace in your heart to not have this, this battle with the devil. And the priest says, oh no, I no longer wrestle with the devil. Now I wrestle with God. And the young man says, what? You, you wrestle with God and hope to win? And the priest says, no, my son. I wrestle with God and hope to lose. It's a different vision of what you think faith is about. That there's actually a, a real needed engagement, a, a friction point that's part of the refining, the becoming process. That we don't hop from lily pad of peace to lily pad of, of peace, but there's this wrestling to try and figure out who am I and who is God and how to make sense of what is happening in the world. 
Believe it or not, I think wrestling can be a really good thing. It's a sign of, of intimacy. You can't wrestle somebody who's far away, you know, who's disengaged from you. There's a term that psychologists use, they talk about relationships called freezing out. When you've got two people who've got like a history of, of friction in their relationship and they, they have some tension, things kind of boil up and some sort of timeout ensues. We say, all right, this is too bad. It's erupted too much. We need space. And then sometimes after that space, you, you come back together. There's this return for a, a bid towards repair. Sometimes all those same emotions from before come right back up. It doesn't work, so you separate again. And this happens repeatedly and repeatedly again and again. And over time, you just stop returning. You, you stop coming back. And you learn these patterns of kind of disengagement. Until eventually, you're, you're frozen out. You've, you're freezing out where you've got this coldness towards another person, you just no longer want to engage. You make some assumptions about how it's going to go, and there it is. I think that actually happens in a lot of our relationships. With that person that you kind of think, oh yeah, they're just annoying, and you've already written the script in your head before you see them or engage with them. Or that person that you just find, you know, that kind of pushes all your buttons. Uh, it's, it's easy to kind of get this freeze-out impulse in all kinds of relationships. And especially, I think, with faith. Then we have repeated cycles of disappointment, of pain, that there's kind of this disregard or distance seeing God as just other or one who's not intimately involved in our affairs. Do you remember that movie uh, Nacho Libre? <laughs> it's a Jack Black film. came out a couple years back, maybe a, few, a lot of years back. It would never be made today. It's so so wrong in so many ways. And yet, uh, the character just, he really wants to be a wrestler. You know, that's his, his big desire. But he's got no skills for it. He's got uh, none of the, the character qualities. And he says to God in prayer, why have you given me this desire to wrestle and then made me such a stinky warrior? You know, poor Nacho has this sense of great loss that he can't be the wrestler that he dreams he could be. He goes on to give it up. And he, he stops wrestling, tries to like let it all go until real motivation kind of comes alive and he re-engages again. But I think Nacho's story is actually very similar to a lot of our stories. The reason we don't grapple with God or wrestle with our faith is it's exhausting, it's tiring, and we're not totally sure how to do it. How do we figure out how to, how to grapple and, and wrestle with God? I think you get into a little bit of, of language work. The Hebrew word for, for wrestle means like dust up, you know, kind of like to stir up the ground and uh, get dirty. It's the idea of God wants to have a dust up with us, stuff that's real. Like he's willing to kind of profane himself, to get into the mess of our lives and say, all right, let's have at it. Let's go to those places that feel chaotic and out of control. I want to be involved in the real stuff of your life, not offering a, a pretty gloss or a nice frame of your life, but in it, in the, the mess of it. You know, again, if we go through some more kind of pop culture hints, you know, there's like eight 
Rocky movies that are out there now. Maybe there's even more than that. It just keeps going. They'll never keep. They'll never stop making Rocky movies. And I've only seen like three of them. But I think most of the Rocky movies are pretty much the same kind of story. You, you got a guy who's who's a fighter. He comes up against an obstacle that he just, you know, he he can't overcome. He kind of hits the rock bottom. He trains, kind of builds himself up, and tries to re-engage in the fight. And then whether he wins or loses in that battle, there's a whole journey of self-discovery. Every Rocky movie is just Rocky trying to understand who he is with a new layer and a new kind of depth to it. And I think the reason these Rocky stories keep being made, they keep mapping onto our world, is that it makes sense for all of us. We're all kind of in this perpetual self-discovery process. And whether that's Rocky 3, 4, 5, 6, or 7, it just keeps going. So whether you're, you know, first year at UBC, or you're like, you know, hitting your 90s like good old Jacob here, you're not done. The, the self-discovery just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And Jacob says, the whole art of faith is to wrestle with God in that discovery process. Who am I? Who are you? And how does this work of trying to wrestle through the mess that we're in happen together? All right, so that's kind of the idea of why wrestling? Because God's engaged and he wants to be involved in the real stuff of our life. Now let's look at these kind of, these fallouts. So what, what happens when we try and invite God into the mess, into the, the dirt of our lives? And I think in the story here, you've got these two indicators wounding and blessing. And part of that can feel good. Part of that feels not so great. When Jacob gets into this encounter, he actually gets, he gets hurt. There's, there's real wounding. There's real injury there. Is that, is that, is that okay? That Jacob gets hurt in this picture. And how do you make sense of that? Well, scholars said there's maybe, there's two bits that are helpful to kind of maybe hold on to of Why does Jacob get hurt in this wrestling encounter? One, that God is pointing out a vulnerability in Jacob. He is exposing a weakness. That in all of our our wrestling with God in this self-discovery process, we're going to have some things peeled back, some vulnerabilities, some weak points revealed that won't always feel great. It'll feel painful and hard to say, yeah, that liability is a part of me that's built into who I am. The other bit besides the exposed weaknesses is the reminder of God that he's got this incredible amount of strength that he is holding back as he engages with us. Saying, hey, remember, it's not a matter of do I have the power? I've got the power. The question is, where is this process taking us? That, that can be a frustrating experience for a lot of us. We'd say, I want the power. Just make it happen, God. Snap your fingers. Perform a miracle. And he says, let's wrestle through the process. I was a big fan, still am a big fan, of a band called R.E.M. They've been playing music for, I don't know, like 30 years now. They're, they're from Georgia. And one of their biggest songs is a song called Losing My Religion. Um, the lyrics go, that's me in the corner, that's me in the spotlight, losing my religion, trying to keep up with you, and I don't know if I can do it. Oh no, I've said too much. I haven't said 
enough. And I was talking to my, a friend of mine this last week about this idea of faith that keeps like disintegrating or faith that feels frail and vulnerable and falls away. And we're saying maybe that's kind of a healthy process at times that the version of faith that we're in needs to die, to be wrestled down, to be lost for a different version to be rebuilt and put together and kind of formed with the help of God. That's really painful. But I've got a buddy of mine who says that he's in his, his third marriage right now. He's been married to the same person. But he says that we've had to kind of reset and restart three times because we've hit the wall. We say, we're, we're done. We're at an impasse. We can't keep going this way. And so we've got to choose. And the, the version of our marriage that we had has to die so that a new version can be formed. I think that's true for life and faith. You know, to, to limp is sometimes the posture of, of being a saint. That you're saying, hey, I want to keep engaged with God even though there's real wounding and there's real vulnerability in my story. Think about the picture we have of, of Christ when he resurrects from the dead. You know, he's got this, you know, this amazing body that can kind of appear in different places. And yet he still bears wounds, you know, in his hands, in his side. You know, why does he bear those wounds? There's this picture from Caravaggio. It's, it's quite disturbing with that finger going into, into the wound. Why, why does Christ bear his wounds in his body? Like, couldn't he overcome death? Why carry forward these marks of suffering? Or perhaps it's less this idea of there are parts of his story that cannot be overcome, but more of a badge of, of honor. Look what I have moved through and what I offer life through. It's, it's signs of power and grace. And for the Christian limp, like Jacob, I think it can be the same thing. It's less of like, look at the pain I carry, but look how I, I choose to continue to engage and to struggle forward with my God as a sign of victory of, I want to overcome with the power of Christ. All right, so there's that first bit of kind of the, uh, the wounding. The struggle, the struggle is real, yet it can also be graced as a way to encounter the power of God. And the second part here, I think, is really meaningful, that in the wrestling comes, comes blessing. There's a radical renaming that happens in this story. And it's not just like one little kind of slap on name tag. Everything gets renamed. It's kind of like the Oprah thing, like, you get a new name, you get a new name. Everywhere gets a new name. This place is, is Jabbok, the river. It's, it's a threshold idea. He's going to cross a river to go into a new place. Jabbok means like Jacob, wrestling. And here where the wrestler wrestles at the wrestling place, it gets transformed. What does Jabbok change its name to? To Peniel. That the place of wrestling becomes the face of God. That's mind-blowing. The place of wrestling becomes the face of God. I find that incredibly helpful and hopeful for every struggle that we're limping through, through the addiction, through the grief, through the relationship, that our place of struggle could become the forum for us to encounter the face of God. It offers such meaning 
into the, the hard stuff that we try and, and plot our way through. I went to school over here at uh, Regent College, and they have like a little Regent hymn they sing that says, Lord, wrestle with our spirits until you reign alone, and let this brief sojourning become our peniel, our place of seeing the face of God. I find that really useful. That's a good tool to have in your belt when you're thinking through, man, why is life so difficult? Could it be? In this, in this forum, I can see the face of God. And there's more. So, not just renaming that place, but renaming that person. So, Jacob, the, the heel grabber, the, the trickster, the, the con artist, gets renamed Israel. Now, Israel, that name matters a lot because uh, Jacob, you might know, has 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Um, that name echoes forward, not just for Jacob as a person, but for the whole nation of Israel. And then even for us today, as people of faith, it echoes into us to be grafted into the story of, of Israel. So this name keeps carrying forward. So what does the name mean? Often we translate Israel as wrestles with God or struggles with God. But I think actually we have to flip the word order. In, in Hebrew... The object is God. So it's God wrestles. God engages. God struggles with us. That's an amazing idea. It's not us trying to say, God, I want to try and get at you and try and figure out how I can instigate a fight. It's God coming low and saying, I'm ready. Let's grapple through this life together. I'm engaged with you. I want to figure out how we can Find the blessed life. Find the life of Christ amidst all the dust, all the muck, and all the mess. That's a, that's a beautiful name change, not for just Jacob, for the whole people of Israel, and then for all of us who are grafted into what it means to be Israel today. We say every Sunday when we show up here, hey, God wrestles. God engages He's, he's not sitting far off in his throne, aloof to the things that feel heavy and out of joint. He's here, and he's in that grapple posture, saying, let's go for it. Let's figure out how to find the blessing here. There's this, this painting here by, by Chris Cole, which I think is really interesting, where you got the little twig man, Jacob, fighting thick old picture of, of God. And this picture, it's kind of awkward to tell. Like, is, it, is it a fight? Is it an embrace? Is it a dance? It's kind of like, yeah. Faith looks like all those things. It's a bit of a fight. It's a bit of an embrace. It's, it's a bit of a dance. You know, tomorrow I'm going to go on a, on a retreat. I'm going for this four-day excursion out to a retreat center. And often when I tell people that, I say, oh, that's great. You know, I'm sure you could use a break. I hope you have a, a good rest. And I think, yeah, for sure. I want that. For, for sure. I want to rest and feel uh, renewed. But I'm not actually going to kind of have like downtime or just to kind of sleep in. I'm going to do like some wrestling work to recognize that, hey, the things that I'm grappling with in life sometimes are distracting me from figuring out, wait, what kind of wrestling is God inviting me into? So I'm going to go away and try and pay attention. 
get into grapple mode and say, all right, God, what things should we try and work out together? Or do you want me to be attentive in my own soul? What do you want to call, call my noticing to? I want to be listening. I want to be, be aware of what your voice might say to me. My, my theme for the retreat comes from the words of Jesus, who says in his hour of wrestling, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to the world. Father, glorify your name. That becomes a, a great anthem for Christian wrestling. That we don't just say, God, get me out of this. Put a, put a stop to things that are out of joint. But rather, God, would you find a way that we could wrestle out have your name lifted out to figure out what is true blessing in this world that feels really backwards. You know that, that fight I had with that nine-year-old kid back in the day? Um, we, you know, we, we got together the next day. We said sorry for the wrongs that we had done. And we kept wrestling, not necessarily physically fighting all the time, but we kept saying, like, hey, let's engage in each other's lives. And now for 30 years, he's been my, my best friend. That somehow this, this wrestling together, this sense of saying, like, hey, I'm going to show up and have at it with you, it opened up a different doorway for our lives. So my, my one physical fight has led to uh, a pathway for the friend I've held most dear um, all these years. I think wrestling can be that pathway to intimacy. And we come here to be part of a wrestling federation. You know, that we, we show up and say, hey, this is a worthwhile endeavor. Why? Because God engages. He's, he's not removed. He's, he's here in the jabbocks among us, in the places of our struggle, offering something of a threshold moment of saying, what if all your life kind of accumulates into how you engage right here in this moment to try and figure out what God's blessing might actually look like? I think that's good news for us today. Why wrestling? Because God engages with us. There is wounding. There is blessing. And as we move forward, we can see the face of God. That makes faith lasting, enduring, something resilient. So I thought we could end the time of prayer today. And let me just guide us through a couple of movements as we try and invite God to grapple with us with wherever we are today. So maybe as, as we pray, think in your mind right now, where, where are you wrestling with God? Is there a place that you might pick a fight with God? Something you feel is out of joint? And what if you flip it around? Is there a place God might pick a fight with you? Is there something out of joint? Remember, he, 
He wrestles with us. He engages with us to foster blessing. There can be real wounding, and yet there is real life. Where, where do you feel that today? Where are you walking with a limp? Where the wounds that you carry kind of echo through every part of your life. And perhaps like Jacob, can you see blessing in the place that you limp? Can the face of God become more clear in the very place that you're doing battle? God, for each of us in, in our wrestling, we acknowledge that these are pinnacle moments in our lives, moments of, of new identity. And we would claim the name of your people, Israel. God engages. Come wrestle with us to become something new. Come wrestle with us that we might be blessed. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.